0: Welcome to Locked on Mavs for Tuesday, November 22nd, two days shy of Thanksgiving. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Mike Marshall. You can follow me at Machine Sports. My other host is across the Metroplex in Fort Worth. His name is Jacob Kemp, at NotJackKemp on Twitter, uh, if you're so inclined. And hey, we're brought to you by SeatGeek. And uh, I'll be over in Fort Worth next Wednesday night, thanks to SeatGeek, uh, because I'm going to go see Markel Fultz. The projected number one overall pick is playing at TCU next uh, next Wednesday night uh, down here in uh, in the Metroplex. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to get that SeatGeek up and firing on my phone, on the app, and uh, throw in the promo code Mavs as in locked on MAVS, and save me some money as I buy the tickets. And uh, SeatGeek can do that for you as well. They can do that uh, via Seat Geek, SeatGeek.com, or they can do it on the app for Android or iPhone, uh, download it, throw it on your phone there. You can uh, check out any event that's in the area or really any area. And uh, they'll gobble up all the tickets in one spot for you so you don't waste half a day bouncing around to different ticket sites because that's a ridiculous process that uh, that has been remedied by SeatGeek. And they'll grade the seats for you. They're going to see where the seat is, what the proper value is for it, and put a green dot or a red dot or sometimes even a yellow dot um, on the seat for you so you know if you're getting a good deal on your seat, you're about to purchase. And well, okay, I, I
1: have a pretty. I saw some seats here for the TCU game that are they're pretty solid. It's the best available for what I can afford, but they're actually just twenty dollars too much.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, is there anything I can do about that, or? Yeah, let me help you out here. Let me put twenty bucks back in your pocket. You download okay. download that SeatGeek app. You hit the uh, the Me tab. That that would be you know their version of the My Account tab. Uh, there's a little bar that says Enter Promo Code. Pretty simple. You hit that to enter the promo code, LOMAVS, Mavs is in locked on Mavs, and they'll give you a twenty dollar rebate. Uh, either by PayPal if you're if you're sly enough to slide that in there, or they'll them mail it to you if you're old fashioned and usually like running to your mailbox. But twenty dollars back using the SeatGeek app on your first ticket purchase using the promo code locked on Mavs. Get your butt out to uh, maybe the Cowboys Thanksgiving game, maybe tomorrow night. Clippers are coming to town. You get a chance to boo DeAndre Jordan. Why don't you go to that? Or maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers in January. Who knows? I don't know what you're into. I'm not supposed to. I just want to save you some money.
1: I'm really happy that you're going to go see Fultz because I am all in. Yes. Um, Dude, he is incredible. On one hand, I think that people – who, like, have a couple people have been like, oh, that's a fine year to start doing a daily Mavs podcast because this is daily. Mm-hmm. We'll keep it to about 15, 20 minutes a day, at least four times a week. Um, sometimes discussing last night's game. Um, that concept is becoming quite fleeting. All <laughs> right. But I do think that, and this is kind of our jumping off point, and I know you want to talk about last night's game some, um, but I actually find this to be more exciting than the last few years. Yeah. Uh, from a, you know, sports intellectual like thought process like there's going to be a lot more barroom type discussions you can have about this season and what comes from this season than there was over the last three or four seasons the last three or four seasons provided you know me and you and us as Mavs fans with some there's some memorable moments that were fun to be in the barn for but you kind of knew what was you knew what was coming. Yeah, you
0: knew how it was going to end. There's no there's so, no deviation of that timeline that they had put together in which we're all just high-fiving and crying crying with uh, joy at the end of the season. <laughs> we yeah, we knew I mean, we knew the end of the road. <laughs> I mean, really the 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 hammer
1: dropped on the old way with DeAndre Bailing. Yeah. Because yep. I would still maintain that if they had Chandler Parsons, West Matthews, and who knows, maybe they just wouldn't be leaning on him quite as much so he might be a little bit more effective. I still think DeAndre Jordan is, if not, he might be the best defensive center, and he's overall, I would say, top five. Yeah, there's no argument there. a top five player there, you can maybe lean on Dirk a little bit less. You can bring Dirk off the bench a little bit more and play Parsons at the four. You still would have had a near-max slot this last offseason. I think that would have kind of regenerated their window, but there is just no effing doubt since that day on July 7th or whatever it ended up being that this was coming. Yeah. And what is coming is watching college
0: basketball in
1: early November.
0: Yeah. And it's a little bit quicker than I think most people anticipated. Uh, And it's a little bit quicker than their front office anticipated, uh, quite honestly. It's for for the best. Yeah, but but it is for the best. It was a long time coming. Like, take your medicine a little bit. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. If this front office, this organization as a whole, has the stomach for the kind of rebuild that they're about to have to go through... And for me, that starts with a top five draft pick next year, and right now, the Mavericks have the worst record in the league as they should uh by how they played basketball and the you know hand that they've been dealt um, and Markel Fultz is projected as the number one guy, and I watched a couple games of him yesterday, and good God almighty, I cannot wait to go see him next Wednesday night at TCU He looks like uh Derek Rose playing the like smooth jazz like he's not Ooh. he's not he's not like. He's not, like, all glitchy like Rose is and, like, just jumping in the air for no reason. Like, it's very controlled. So, I guess I'm, I guess I'm probably saying he's like Damian Lillard to me. <laughs> to me, he reminds me of a taller Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Very in control. Very smooth. Uh, the burst is just incredible, but it doesn't look like he, like, you know, uh, went into run super fast mode or anything. <laughs> he just gets by you. But we'll talk a bunch about Fultz, I'm sure, next week and, uh, and moving forward, but... The Mavericks fell to 2-11 last night uh, in San Antonio against the Spurs. 96-91 to 91 was the final tally. Uh, it was actually a lot closer than that. Um, Barnes had a shot to go up. Uh, it was an isolation possession, left baseline. He you know, did his jab-step thing, and then they closed down on the double team. Before the double team got there, he launched one, and it clanked off the back iron. And there's you
1: want to know something weird is – we're only, that's only like the 13th game of the year, given where I was on Harrison Barnes' ability to score in situations like that to now, mm-hmm. I, thought that go- I thought that was going in.
0: Yeah, so did I. I was like, here he goes. He's going to get his look that he wants, and he's going to knock it down, and then somehow they're going to find a way to lose this game. Um, but I feel like we might as well just like tape a, uh, a five to seven minute discussion about the Mavs competing through three and a half quarters of a game, and then a better team just putting the pedal down and not letting them win. Uh, because thats I feel like we're going to ha- hand out the great job of competing for 3.5 quarters of an NBA game about, I don't know, 55 times this year. <laughs> and last night was no different. Granted, the Spurs didn't really get out of their own way um, and, uh, and do anything to dictate a victory for the Mavs and Popovich's, or victory for the Spurs. Um, and Popovich's postgame comments were right on par. Like, they should have beat the hell out of this Mavericks team. Without yeah. without Dirk, without Darren, without Berea, without Bogut, and yeah, I mean no LMA, but no and no Parker, but still, yeah. I mean no, they survive without Tony Parker on the regular. Like that's pretty right. that's pretty standard for them. And uh, I made the bad uh, bad mistake of getting the female to record the game, and she recorded the Spurs broadcast. So uh, I got to hear a bunch of Sean Elliott, which is just special, <laughs> which is yeah. just just a time.
1: I haven't been as locked in on League Pass this year as I have been in years past, but I still remember the special experience of Sean Elliott.
0: It's something else. I swear to God, through the first half, he he said Majeri, in reference yeah. in reference to Salah, and then uh, I think Bill Land is his partner. He he was he, yeah. He kept we're oversaying it.
1: <laughs> acutely aware of what happens when your team is really bad. Yeah. by listening to the other teams, booth. <laughs> right. Like, hell, I'm sure that uh, the main man at the helm of this thing, David Locke, for many years uh, listened or probably heard opposing broadcasters mispronounce jazz players' names. Oh, yeah. Uh, But now, no, now you, you, there is no Gobert. (laughs) Right. Uh, You're getting that now. But, yeah, we're going to have that for a while. I mean, that's just, that's part of it. That's life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Seth Curry was pretty stinking awesome last night. Um, he's been on a run man yeah I really dude.
1: do I really believe that he can he can be a part of this thing for the future I don't know that you know we, we I mean hell think about it this way if you're talking about a guy like Fultz who is like massive wing defender but he's a point guard he can right. like get chased down blocks I would I would see envision a scenario where I could start Seth Curry next to Fultz yeah as long as Curry's only having to play like 25 minutes in that role and then maybe Mm -hmm. Matthews is now your three I don't know I'm just getting crazy over here (laughs) but if you're gonna start Curry you would have to do it with a guy who is long and can distribute because I don't really want him being like my primary point right but I don't mind having him out there for 25 to 30 minutes a game if there's someone else out there with those abilities
0: yeah no he's been playing pretty stinking great and uh, if you just keep in mind that this is like the third or fourth third quarter of his rookie season is basically what this is, so just keep that in the sp- in the scope of things. Whenever you're being too harsh on Curry or whenever you're freaking out about him, think that he's ahead of schedule compared to guys that have played. Uh, I mean, even b- even behind Justin Anderson, technically, you know what I mean. So, um, a couple observations from the game that we can uh, we can fly through. I've watched a bunch of Spurs games this year just by working at Fox Southwest, and what I've noticed is um this little trick that Kawhi does and that i don't think there's anybody in the league that comes off of a flare or a uh, a pin down and pops out to the three point line that is as ready to shoot the three uh whenever he catches the ball because most dudes will come off that pin down get up there just get control of the ball and then set your feet and find your so- find your shot Dude, he comes off that pin down. He swings his hips around, squares up to the basket, and his feet don't move in between catching the basketball with his momentum kind of pulling him him away and him jumping up and knocking down a three. And it's incredible. I don't know why more more people don't do it. I think Klay Thompson probably does it pretty stinking well. Um, Gets to his spot with his feet set. But kawhis he's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, no, he's he's the ultimate cheat code. Um, If you have that kind of dude on your roster – like, you're already ahead of, what, 28 teams in the league. Uh, he's freaking incredible. The Spurs as a whole, I have gotten pretty annoyed with this, and I've noticed something just from watching their games and watching last night. You know in, like, pickup basketball, whenever someone kind of throws a lazy pass and then the guy that's playing defense on you just wedges between you and the ball and knocks the hell out of you and, uh, and somehow maintains possession of the ball um, when it's clearly, like, a body foul? because he ran into you and then went to the ball. Um, and that usually starts a lot of fights and pick up basketball where you're probably going to get bodied pretty hard next time. They let the Spurs get away with that pretty regularly as if they're like defensive backs that have the right to impede your path to the ball. Um, and I noticed it really bad last night whenever David Lee did it. Uh, David Lee like, was going for a lazy kind of pass to, I think, Gibson and just leveled the hell out of Jonathan Gibson uh, and got the ball. And I was like, whoa. Like, how are we letting that fly? And then David Lee had a run-out dunk, which made me throw up. But uh, Wes Wes actually had a really good game. That was a really solid Wesley Matthews game. And then he missed two free throws in the last minute uh, that would have given the Mavericks the tie. Um, So, I mean, like, what else? What other uh, platform can Wes Matthews disappoint me in this year? I don't know. But on the whole, a good game. And, uh, yeah, Mavs fall to 2-11. Losing in San Antonio, and they're gonna lose to the Clippers uh, here Wednesday night, and then they're gonna lose in Cleveland on Friday night. All right. So what we've seen through 13 games is not super fun in the court, but like we mentioned earlier, uh, it's actually for the fandom. It's actually more fun to start prospecting and uh, build, rebuilding the castle um, in terms of the draft, in terms of you know signing young dudes to pair with Harrison Barnes. I guess my question is. This franchise hasn't had to do this in basically 15 years. Um, one, do they know how to do it? Do they know how to do it properly? Um, and number two is, do they honestly have the stomach for the kind of rebuild that is going to need uh, to get underway in a quick-like fashion? And I mean like admitting to yourself at this point in the season, this season's lost. Um, and I guess that starts with Rick, goes to Donnie, and then slides all the way up to Cube's.
1: There's just so many. There's so many different factors that go into it, including the first one that obviously jumps to my forefront of my mind that we've talked about a little bit is Dirk and Mm. like. So last night, West misses some free throws, uh, Barnes misses a jumper, and I'm like, well, I got this little machine over here. It's called a calculator, and my odds Mm. of getting the number one pick just went up half a percent, right? Or maybe even one tenth of a percent. And so, I've never really been a team tank guy because I felt like, one, like we just detailed in the first few minutes of this podcast, had they, decide, had they signed DeAndre Jordan, they would, they would be a top four team in the West right now. I really do believe that. Mm. And there's no way to know what else they would have done, but they would have still been able to bring in other top flight talent. So, to me, had you tanked the year before, you wouldn't have been in a position to maybe be as attractive to sign DeAndre Jordan, like when they signed Parsons. Right. I was on board with that, because they still had some good years out of Dirk, they still had another max slot. Now, you go back to the year of 2013, that you bring up, beard year, that mm-hmm. year I would have been okay with losing, because the, you Dirk was out for a month and a half, you already knew you were going to be uh, probably missing the playoffs, and you ended up missing the playoffs, ultimately. So... I think it's just, you can't always just say like, hey, I'm pro-tank. The reason I'm on board with it now, I think, is that there's zero chance they get in. And I don't really think that the difference between them being a 45-win team and a 36-win team is going to have any bearing on whether or not they sign a quality free agent this offseason. None. Mm -hmm. I think what's going to have bearing on that is if they have a slot available and if it looks like they've got a good young core that they're building around. So... There's this is to me something that I would I, I would, we could do this every day for the rest of the season and I would not get tired of it because it's fascinating to me. I don't know if Cuban wants to own the team for yep. because let's say realistically they get the number one pick this year and like Fultz is what we think he is like he is a generational borderline generational at least a career starter who can be the face of your franchise and you've got Barnes and you've got one more year at Dirk probably next year and you've got. Uh, the development of Anderson, whatever you think of that, and then you've got another slot for like a Max-like player. Let's say that in some dream scenario, you throw a ton of money at uh Nerland's Noel or someone like that, and he's mm-hmm. next year, You're he's he's in the mix and Fultz is in the mix. That team is still probably going to miss the playoffs. I mean, yeah, in all likelihood, you're talking about next year being a lottery team again. So then another year, then the following year, you're talking about adding another top 10 pick. Now then... That guy's still only a rookie. Realistically, they're looking at if they do this right, being good again in four years. Right. Like yeah. they'll be they'll be exciting on the way mm-hmm. up to it, and it'll be fun to talk about how the pieces fit. But say for some like freak scenario where a franchise player who's going into free agency decides to sign with like a lottery team, then they're, you're talking three or four years minimum.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's an excellent point, and that's what I've been thinking about kind of constantly is it's almost, it's almost akin to like the Texas Longhorns situation where um, are you fine with uh, the perfect rebuild and the perfect um, get back into this thing path only getting you in the Longhorn situation seven wins a year for a little while? Um, and for Dallas, say everything, say my little narrow path that I have in my head, we hit every marker. Say we land, we draft Mark Hill Fultz, we snag Nerlens away from the 76ers to play center. Um, the amnesty provision gets thrown into the CBA, which is a complete dice roll at this point. Um, and now you're starting Fultz, Curry. Um, I don't know what you do at the three right now, but we'll figure it out. Uh, well, Barnes it's Barnes either Barnes the- or it's
1: someone else, but it's either <coughs> right. Barnes at the four or, or, a, or a Barnes-like player at the four and Barnes at the three, but yeah. Right. You yeah, would still be that guy. Would be making fifteen to twenty million dollars a year, though.
0: Right. I mean, ideally, yeah. because that's yeah. what you'd have to pay. Exactly. Um, so, say you hit all the markers. You're you're taking the perfect path back to uh, relevancy with a young core that's really good. You have to be comfortable with taking every step perfectly and only getting back to maybe at max forty wins in the next two years. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, and that's when I—that's what I mean by, do you have the stomach for this? Not—not not tanking one year and coaching young kids. I'm talking about year after next, the Mavs only being a 42-win team, despite doing everything possibly that they could to overcome the hole that they had sunk into. And that's—that's that's the difference to me between actual tanking and actually having um, the minerals for it, and bouncing down one year and landing a David Robinson type, which Cuban has he that's a quote from him. Like he was wondering why the Thunder didn't do that the year K D had his uh um his foot problem. His exact quote was, Well they should probably just tank this year and then go get a David Robinson type. Um well that happened like once in NBA history. So <laughs> let's just uh let's wait on that. But you gotta be comfortable with just not being a great basketball team for two to three years. Yeah. Any longer he-
1: yeah probably realistically longer, but the the interesting thing about it is is that if they had not full health because you can't have old players and expect full health, but if they had what like approximated health like eighty percent and Berea, D will and Dirk had played eighty percent of the games mm-hmm. that they would be a, they would probably be close to five
0: hundred right now. Yeah, no, I think they'd be five and eight or six and seven or something like that. Yeah, so they'd
1: probably if if all that held, and they didn't. They actually tried to push for the playoffs. I still think they'd end up winning forty games.
0: Yeah, Clippers tomorrow night at the AAC. Use that U uh, C Geek if you want to go to it. Uh, get twenty bucks off using the promo code L O Mavs. The Mavs have not won since election night, and that's also that's also the uh, the last time they scored north of ninety five points. So, go Mavericks. Um, Get them tickets to the, uh, the TCU game. You can ride with me. That's totally fine. Uh, we'll go check out Mark L. and we'll be back with you uh, tomorrow in some fashion. So uh, thank you for listening, and Jacob, thank you for your time.